carrying that casket with me, man, because God had spoke to me. God says, uh, this should have been you two times. And um, I knew it should have been. I knew it should have been. And so, yeah, it, it affected and messed with me, messed with me mentally. Um, that was in November, December. And then, like I said, a month and a half, I just gave my life to the Lord. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Welcome back to Testimony Tuesday here on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. It's Pastor Adam with you once again. We are excited to uh, be joining you once again here on this Testimony Tuesday. We've got another wonderful guest with us here uh, on the line. And uh, for those of you who are premium subscribers, you are able to see him, his beautiful face, <laughs> Pastor Andy Coda. Welcome. Welcome to Testimony uh... Tuesday, sir. Uh, hey, thanks for having me, brother. I don't know if beauty in my face go hand in hand, but nonetheless, I appreciate the compliment. It was just a figure of speech. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, oh, but man, thank you so much for making time for us. We had uh, a, we had a, me. we had a bit of a back and forth to try to get to uh, this moment in time, but thank God we made it. Yeah, for sure. I think half of the battle of Testimony Tuesday is just working with uh, pastor schedules getting some open time, but uh, praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, uh, Pastor Coda, uh, we have, uh, we've, we've been around each other for a while, uh, going all the way back to Chandler days. I've seen how God has used your life and, uh, just, um, you know, grateful for, for what God has done in you and, uh, and through you. So it's, it's incredible for me to see and, uh, what God is doing for you now there in Chicago. But for those who don't know you, why don't you, um, Give a quick introduction, you and your family, and uh, what God God has been doing there. Um, yeah, no, my name is uh, Andy Coda. Obviously, my lovely wife Elisa. Um, you know, we got saved, and uh, I got saved personally in uh, Glendale, Arizona. That's uh, where my my mom and dad pastor, Pastor James and Christine Martinez, pastor, uh, who I believe at one time were your youth leaders, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, uh, I got saved in 2005 through a tragedy. Um, obviously my younger brother, James Martinez Jr. Uh, he was murdered. And so, um, it really opened my eyes to reality. Um, it's kind of, I believe the intersection, the crossroads of my life. Um, I was already going down, uh, sin wasn't what it was anymore. And so my life, my marriage, everything was kind of just unraveling little by little. And then this scenario comes up and it just really hits me. And so I give my life to Jesus Christ, uh, get saved in January 1st of 2005. Um, actually, I get saved in my living room, but I decided to go to the Glendale church uh, where my mom and dad had been pastoring just, I believe, by that time, four or five years. And so uh, go and um, 
you know, uh, just obviously catch the vision. Uh, my mom initially got saved when I was a young boy at nine years old. She got saved in 1989. So I grew up in the fellowship from the time of uh, nine years old to 14 years old. And then I uh, made a decision uh, to leave the home at 14. So uh, I knew what we were about. I knew what our fellowship was about. And so it, it caught me right away. And uh, yeah, just you know, got saved and God began to restore my marriage, my family. Um, and was just so thankful to be a part of, the, of what God did in Glendale at the time. Um, my dad uh, was at that time probably running 40, 50 people. And then uh, just to take it from there and to see all that God has done and still doing there, um, you know. So and then I had the privilege to go and uh, pastor a church in India. 2012 that was uh, left to us by Pastor Pocky Raj and his wife, Samantha, uh, did a tremendous job there, uh, took that church in Noida, India. Uh, and so I had a privilege to be a missionary there for six years and uh, raise disciples. And um, uh, it's great to see that church now as a church planning church. And so it's got a lot of disciples, a lot of couples. And so uh, and dad's, uh, my dad's continued on with that. And that's a, been a great blessing. Uh, to the Glendale Church, but uh, we were just so glad to be a part of that. Um, and then, uh, obviously, bring it up to current. You know, uh, went to Chandler. Uh, just uh, was just stirred. Um, Pastor Campbell asked me about Chicago, uh, and I was evangelizing. But uh, just I, I, you know, it's a funny story. Pastor Dragoon is I, 2008. I was initially wanting to come to Chicago. And at that time, just things, logistics, and just different avenues of where the Glendale Church was at, uh, just we didn't pull the trigger. Um, so, but I think God bringing it all back around. And so here we are now in Chicago, uh, my wife and I, thank God for her, her willingness to follow me. Um, now just experiencing, you know, what God is doing here and helping us uh, little by little. It's been like that, but we're seeing momentum and we're seeing God move. And um, just so glad to be a part of that. And, you know, just for the fact that the privilege to serve these people and to be in this city, I love this city. But, um, yeah, that's just kind of the, the my life in a capsule of a few minutes. Okay, well, we thank you for listening. This has been a wonderful episode of Testimony Tuesday. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you told the whole story already. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but man, it's it's uh, it's amazing. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just really encouraged by, you know, the posts that I'm seeing um, that you, you've been putting on social media and stuff. Uh, the guys that are that are with you there and seems like God's really doing doing a good thing there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously my wife's she's the one who uh, I allow her to do that stuff. You know, I'm not too savvy on on social media, but. But no, just to, I mean, just to let people know that God is helping us in Chicago. You know, you know, Chicago's been in Chandler Wing for 30 plus years. Um, and so I just thank God for people not giving up on Chicago, for Pastor Campbell not giving up on Chicago. And yeah, it is. God has given us young men. Um, they're starting to little by little catch the vision. Uh, Chicago is a, it's a whole different beast. Um, it's, it's nothing like I've ever experienced, even being in a city like Delhi. Uh, India, where they have, you know, 10 million plus people. Chicago's got a little over 8 million, 8.5. And, but it's just the dynamics you thought you would think that, you know, in terms of numbers, I would be used to. Yeah, I'm used to the number part of people, but 
just of how the city runs, how things go. And I, I believe truly uh, this year, um, you know, I, I've, I'm really, I'm just now experiencing the real Chicago. That's what everyone's telling me, which I, I kind of feel it and I sense it. It's, it's a whole different beast, but um, no, but with all its ups and downs, um, this, this city, man, I mean, yeah, it, it's right for the taking and, and I'm excited for what God has for us and I'm, I'm believing God and yeah, I'm thankful God has given us young men. And so, um, I've got a couple that are really caught it and just, uh, really just pressing the God to help us with the others. Amen. Well, praise God for that, man. I, I'm excited for you guys. You know, Chicago is close to our hearts. It was, uh, it was actually our the, the first time we got announced, we were going to go into Chicago back in 2005. And, you know, we got diverted by about uh, 10,000 miles uh, to the other side <laughs> of the planet. But, but uh, you know, th th there was a reason why we, we wanted to go there. Uh, God, God had a we we had been on a and an impact team there back when the Bodnickies were there, believe it or not. And uh, so, yeah, just. Um, there's there's so much potential, so much opportunity there, so I, I'm glad to see that that uh, God is moving uh, in your church. Yeah. So um yeah well let let's let's go back and learn a little bit more about you. Um let's let's hear about your your family life growing up. What what was life like for little Andy Coda? Uh, no, I mean uh, like I said, my mom. Um, I remember you know uh, my mom not being saved. Uh, she divorced my real dad when I was five years old. That was back in '85, and then I remember uh, you know we uh, her sister Isabel um, was going to the Chandler Church, and I remember her witnessing to her and telling her about Jesus and what God could do in her life and. At the time, my mom was, you know, like every Hispanic family, they're Catholic. So uh, she was trying to hear none of it. Um, but I would see what my mom was going through. My real dad, my real father, um, you know, it's an alcoholic. I uh, was never home, uh, always going out to the bars. And so she uh, just got tired of that, divorced him. And so there was a span there of four years where she was just, you know, broken. And I seen it. And I'll never forget uh we, she got saved at the uh, old Washington building. I remember um, the one that they do the 180 at now. And, and so um, she went and then I think she, she didn't backslide, but it wasn't like, you know, she was going all the time. But then I remember going to Comstock all the time. She really locked in there. And then uh, she married um, my stepdad, James Martinez, uh, I remember him uh, going in front of funny, you know, story. I remember him walking into church, you know, he had an Afro and uh, this was back in 1989 still. And, and he got saved. And then, um, yeah, then they started dating. With you know? eight cents in his pocket. Right. Everyone knows the story. Yeah, eight cents in his pocket. I think he's probably getting himself a little too much credit. Probably had less than that, I believe. <laughs> but um, but nonetheless, though, you know, they got married. And so they got married in 1990 after he came out of jail. Remember, he did six months in jail, came out. They got married. And, uh, you know, uh, in the beginning, you know, it's it's amazing because, you know, life's a little rough um, still because he's just coming out of the streets. And, uh, you know, we got an integrated family now. And so he's got four children. My mom's got two. So we're an instant, you know, Brady Bunch family. Um, but uh, but I, I can't deny, you know, what he put in us as young as young boys. He put in my brothers and I hard work. How I old were you it. when they got married? I was uh, 10 years old. 
I was 10 years old. And uh, you know what, man? We weren't making it. You know, I don't know if a lot of people, obviously, you know, a lot of people don't know, but we weren't making it, man. I remember he's struggling to get work, uh, you know, not making too much back in those days, probably $8 an hour, maybe 9 And, you know, and so I remember, man, going uh, every day, coming home from school, um, you know, while all the kids got to play in the neighborhood, man, we had to go and uh, he would make these drawn up flyers and, and, and we would advertise to cut grass for $5 a yard. And so I remember, man, going up and down the street, passing out these flyers. Um, he would tell us, you know, hey, uh, you know, we had an old car. We called it the Cat. It was an old Catalina. I forget, I think it was like a 69 or something. Had no brakes, no tags or nothing. Oh, man. He would say, hey, have, have everything loaded up. You know, the weed eater, the lawnmower. We got to go around uh, knocking on doors, getting, you know, getting some yard, yard so we can eat for the night. And so we did it like that for a while, man. But and so but it taught me a lot, though. I don't. I don't say that with any kind of complaining, man, because it really did it afford some stuff in us. And um, and uh, and so that's one thing I admire is faith to believe God, to not give up, to not quit. And so uh, but, yeah, eventually, you know, uh, God began to help our family. Um, it, it was pretty rough for me. I, you know, I, I just because I was used to just being with my mom and my sister. And so, um, you know, uh, moving forward, I'm 10 years old, so I only last in the house another four years. And were you my, older or younger? Uh, I was a middle. I was a middle. So my other brother, Mike, my stepbrother, Mike, he was the oldest. No, I mean um, with your sister. Oh, my sister. Yeah, no, I'm older, I'm older than my sister. So, um, but, you know, so as life goes on, you know, my parents, uh, they're involved. Uh, they want to do the will of God. They want to serve God. And so, you know, it's about maintaining a righteous and a clean home. And, you know, by the time I step into my teenage years, I remember going to Crossfire. Uh, being in crossfire and stuff. But at that time, I was just too much being influenced by my peers in the world and at school. And so I just really, you know. Could you talk a little bit about um, maybe the, the, the struggle you had? You mentioned it was it was kind of a kind of rough for the two families to begin to you know integrate with with different, you know, kids from different families coming together, trying to be a family. And uh, so I'm assuming you had other brothers from pastor martinez that were older than you and all of a sudden you're not the top dog anymore um yeah so was there um, there was some struggle there huh yeah it, it was i mean not and it was a lot you know because you know my dad he was just coming off the streets um you know it's you know it's what because kind of gives you compassion now when you look back because you realize man you know you're trying to raise a family without knowing how to raise a family right um, it's one thing to be called that. It's another thing to learn that. And it wasn't just him. It was myself too. You know, uh, you know, I was let down by my real dad. I was, you know, he was always promised to come get me, pick me up and, you know, he had let me down weekend after weekend. So there was just a lot of that, but, um, no, it, it was, it was nothing like, you know, everyone was trying, but it was just so much dynamics uh, involved as far as, you know, uh, streets, uh, you know, my stepdad was getting out of the streets. Um, he just, you know, he had just gotten his kids back, um, cause they were living with their grandmother. Um, their mom was locked up. And so, uh, you know, we got all this dysfunction merging that God wants to heal and help. And, you know, that takes time and there's processes to that. And so, um, yeah, it was a little rough in the beginning. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of fights. There was a lot of, you know, this and that, uh, but, um, you know, they, they tried their best and, and that's, that's what I look back at now. They were trying their best with what they knew how to do and how to handle stuff. And so, um, 
but yeah, it, it was a little, that, that sense was a little rough for me. Cause like I said, it was just me and my sister. I'm 10, my sister's five, I'm five years older than her. And, uh, and so now we have all these different dynamics happening, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's yeah, it's not it easy. And especially for, for parents, uh, you know, your, your mom, uh, no doubt is, uh, is given, given this man a chance, right. And he's, yeah. he's radically saved and, and having to do jail time and, but, uh, but God is really helping them in a powerful way. And, uh, so that, that's, you know, that, that comes with the territory, I suppose. It's, it's not going to be all roses along the way. No, no, definitely not. And, um, you know, and like I said, I mean, looking back now, they tried their best with what they knew how to do and how to do things. And, um, but one thing I do give them credit for, like I said, I mean, they, they always strive to try to live righteous and do the best they could. And, um, sometimes that didn't come out, you know, in the best way, but nonetheless, you know, they were just broken vessels getting repaired by God the same way, you know, we were. Yeah. So, um, so what about what about other influences? So, I mean, did they have you pretty much going to to church all the time at that point? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was a lot of church um, other than sometimes my grandmother from my real dad, uh, she would come and pick me up. Um, but there wasn't a lot of bad influences at that end because she was, you know, a 70 year old woman living by herself. So. Um, but you know, uh, most of my influences were from school and just from, uh, you know, young, young boys, young men, just being knuckleheads and, you know, the nineties was, uh, you know, I believe in my opinion is kind of, you know, the, our generation of like, you know, what I believe the sixties were, you know, it was nineties, it was a whole new era, different things are happening. And it's just, you know what I mean? Uh, all that lifestyle and it just, it just. Yeah, I just caught up. And so I began to take a bad, bad path very quickly. Um, I had a, you know, great church time with church friends, you know, Pastor James Rosario, Salvador, you know what I mean? I can name quite a few uh, other kids, you know, Wendy Cornell. And so, uh, but, you know, I went to church with these uh, young men and young women at the time. And so my mom and dad tried to do the best. But like I said, I was just too... Uh, between the rejection of my real father and, and those elements, I just, you know, began to just take a turn for the worse, you know, very quickly. So how did your, how did your parents deal with that? Cause that's not easy when you have a kid living in your house that doesn't want to serve yeah. God. No. So what they did is, uh, you know, they weren't putting up with any of my garbage. Um, you know, I can remember, uh, you know, trying to sneak in ungodly music, you know, back in those days, it was tapes and CDs and, and them finding him and destroying them, I'll get mad. And then, um, and so uh, they weren't going to put up with none of my garbage. And I respect him for that. Um, and eventually, you know, that's where the rubber met the road is that, you know, um, they said, if you're going to continue to live like this, you know, and do this stuff, then, you know, you can't be here. And, um, and I made that decision, you know, so what finally, honestly, what finally uh, <laughs> broke the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back was I, I, uh, I got busted, believe it or not, I got busted stealing from Albertsons on Alma School and Ray Road. And the cops busted me stealing from Albertsons. And, um, and yeah, of course, the cops, you know, uh, called my parents and my mom has to come and get me and my dad at work at the time. And so I think this is during summer hours. And so I'm there with a couple of friends and we're just goofing off and just, you know, you know, just making a ruckus and, and just, you know, just stealing foolish stuff. And sure enough, yeah, they caught me. And so 
that was eventually what my mom and dad said, okay, enough's enough. Cause at that point, you know, I wasn't doing good in school. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure they sensed that I was already smoking weed and drinking and stuff like that. So um, they were just trying to be gracious to help me, but, uh, I didn't want none of it. So yeah, they, they made a decision and said, okay, man, if you, this is the life you want to live, this is how you want to live. Uh, you can, you can leave, which they didn't just kick me out in the streets. I had a place to go. They knew that I could go with my dad and my real dad's side. And so that's exactly where I went. Okay. How, how old were you when that happened? 14 years old. So that was back in 94. 94. Okay. Well, this explains why um, you weren't around when I first got saved in the Chandler church in 98. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I, di I didn't really uh, know you at all until you came <laughs> back later on in Glendale. But, right. Um, right. but yeah, my wife, my wife remembers being in crossfire uh, when, when pastor Rosario was there and uh, those right. were some, yeah, well, some yeah, wild right. times. huh? Yeah. Yeah. They were. Yeah, they were. She she uh, she remembers that uh, that your dad would always say he would always work in somehow that listening to Snoop Dogg, but he would never say Snoop Dogg. He would yeah. <laughs> he would say Snoop Diggy Dig <laughs> or something like that, and it was different he, every time. He couldn't say Tupac, so he would say toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> she, somehow that st sticks out to her yeah that's what she yeah, took that, away that sounds like him <laughs> but but yeah so 14 and then so where where was your grandma at uh she lived in the south side of Chandler, right there uh oh right, so very know, close by so very not, close by right there on castle lane yeah right there uh peckles lounge is that huh well, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. We prayed them so, out of there. Yeah, so they're, they're not there no more. But yeah, that's that's the street that I grew up on for the rest so of my life. So you weren't far physically, but but as far as spiritually and emotionally, um, you started taking a, another direction. Oh, man. And, you know, that's one thing, too, is once I left the church, I never went back. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I see some kids sometimes, which is, you know, it's good. They come go, go but I, I never went back. I said, I'm done, man. I'm not trying to go back. I don't want nothing to do with church. I want to do nothing to God. Um, quite honestly, you know, I thought freedom was great because, like I said, my grandmother was older already. She was in her 70s. She cared about me, but there wasn't a whole much that she could do to me, you know, as far as administering discipline or anything like that. So I was basically pretty much free to do as I pleased, and that's exactly what I did. You know, I roamed the streets there and uh, didn't go to school and, uh, you know, just you know, did what every other kid did was doing there on the side side of Chandler at the time, just getting high and drinking, and, you know, staying out all week, staying out all day. And, and so, yeah, it took, um, you know, took, took a deep toll on me. So how long did you find yourself in that place? Um, so honestly, you know, I, I moved around quite a bit. I remember, believe it or not, I had, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I had some cousins that lived in Wickenburg, Arizona. So I, the thriving 16, metropolis, yeah, as Pastor right. Greg would say. At 16 years old, back in 96, I'd gotten in some, some, some trouble. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, uh, getting away from Chandler would help me. And so I went and stayed with some cousins and my grandmother. She, like I said, she would never, she would disagree, but she wasn't going to stop me. So. I went and lived uh, there in Wickenburg, Arizona with some cousins. But as they say, with small towns, sometimes they could be worse than in a city. So and that's exactly what happened. I ended up 
getting deeper into alcohol and then uh, ended up having a you know a son at 90, 96 you know six, 16 years old wow so yeah things went 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 fast and it's so amazing too how god uses people because there was a uh, i wish to god i could find her or just see sometimes her history but there's a teacher that i had i went to school there for a little just a little bit but her name was um miss garcia rose garcia i remember and she witnessed to me one day she had noticed that i i, I came to school kind of intoxicated and she pulled me to the side and she was witnessing to me and she invited me to her church there in Wickenburg, Arizona, called the Potter's House Church. No way. Yeah. Wow. So I said, man, this is a small world. I didn't even realize there's a church in, in Wickenburg called the Potter's House Church. So when she gave me the flyer, I had to go and check the place just to see. And sure enough, it's a small building. But nonetheless, I was like, this is this is too funny. But anyways, um, yeah, so that happened, man. And I ended up moving back to Chandler back in 97. Um, now I have a son. You know, I have, I'm with his mother at the time, but I get back into Chandler and things just pick up right where they left off. I meet up with all my old friends and uh, long story short, you know, I don't want to be a father. I don't want responsibility. So I leave my, uh, my son and his mom uh, basically to fend for themselves. I tell her I don't want to be with her. And um, I go off and begin to uh, live that life. That's in 97. So yeah, still 17, haven't even hit 18. What what do you think you were chasing? What 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 was the what was the goal? What was the dream? You know what, Adam? I couldn't even tell you, man. I, obviously, I know there it was curses from my real dad's. I mean, every 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 male on my real dad's side is alcoholic. Um, you know, um, that's what they did to their families. So I knew I was falling in that line. But for me, it, it wasn't even chasing nothing. It was just. Just thought I was having a good time partying, but now that I look back in life and having to deal with some issues of myself, you know what I I think I was really just dealing with was rejection. Um, that's what I was trying to feel. And um though God put people in my life to try to help me with that, I couldn't see it at the time because you know, as in the case with life, so much of the time you project on others what someone else has done to you. You know what I mean? So in this case, what my my real dad had done, I projected out of my, my family that God had given me that was trying to help me. And so I think I was just trying to get that validation from him, honestly, just trying to, just trying to, because even living with my family, just, you know, and um, just wanted to be told that, I, you know, cared for me, honestly. And so, but um, yeah, that's, that's what I feel looking back now where I was trying to search and just trying to prove myself. And, but yeah, yeah. Well, no greater reminder uh, as we're recording this uh, ahead of Father's Day here. I think it'll be a few weeks afterwards when it comes out, but just a, an incredible reminder of how crucial a father is, especially for young boys, that right. that when um, when that foundation is not there, it, it even unconsciously or subconsciously, it can lead a, a young man to just into a, a whole world of hurt and he doesn't even know why and you know let, like here you are uh however many years later 20 years later still kind of wondering why did i do all that stuff you know right well i mean it, you know and honestly it really helps me out here in chicago because that's that's all these young men 
are looking for, man. That's all it is. I mean, we, we like I said, I mean, I, you know, I, I we went uh, outreach at the Puerto Rican Festival last weekend, and I, I can't tell you how many different hundreds of gangbangers that I, I, I was witness to and talked to about Jesus. But at the end of the day, Pastor Dragoon, that's that's what, man, they're just trying to fill that void. You know what I mean? They're just, they're just that rejection's in their heart. They're just trying to prove themselves in the streets. They're just trying to tell people how valuable they are. And, um, but anyways, yeah, so that's, that's, I see it now, man. Obviously sometimes it takes you a while to see that, but, uh, yeah, yeah I see it now. <clears throat> well, yeah. And that's the thing with, with, with boys in, in, especially is that they are capable of so much good, right? As young men, I mean, this is exactly who we want to come into our churches. We want a 19, 20 year old young guy to come in and get saved because we know how much potential is ahead of him if he'll get his head on straight and get right with Jesus. But it's also it's this is why young men are in so much trouble today, because right. they're capable of so much evil. Also, a young man right. who doesn't temper himself, a young man who doesn't control his rage or his sexuality. This is what causes destruction and devastation. So it's, you know, it's very, very few that stay in the middle. Like you're either going, uh, doing many great things or you're going to be doing a lot of evil things, you know? Right, right, right. Spot on. So you, um, you've got a, you've got a, um, a girl pregnant, you've got a, a son, you kind of are, uh, running away from that and uh for the party lifestyle I, I wonder what is the connection to your mom and your stepdad at this time have they uh are they staying in contact with you no um i, I chose to cut to sever that cord that tie um like i said absolutely i mean yeah, i went years without talking to them and it didn't bad enough you know it didn't bother me too much um just because like I said, I mean, I, I to me, I looking back now, I just wanted that affirmation from my uh, my real dad and, and my real dad's family, my uncles and stuff. They're real good to me. They've always treated me real good. Um, but I just for whatever reason, I despised you know that side. And so, yeah, that's why he never saw me. He never saw me around. I never went to any family functions. Um, you know, I very you know I, I probably list on a just a handful of times we've just seen them throughout those years of being gone. And, um, you know, and some of yeah, just looking back, it's just, um, yeah, that's, I just didn't want nothing to do with it. I didn't want nothing to do with God. Didn't want nothing to do with church. And so I just stayed away from it. So that had to be heartbreaking for your mom and dad, for sure. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, but you know, they're good at letting you learn. <laughs> so they're like, you know, no doubt that they're, they're there, but they're like, when you need us, you'll be back. Mm. So, um, so what I'm curious about, and one of my favorite questions to ask is when, when people describe these times of their life, when they were running from God and running from responsibility and living a foolish lifestyle, uh, I, I wonder if you can remember, especially since you had some serious background in church and you you kind of knew the deal and you saw your mom get right. saved and you saw Pastor uh, Pastor Martinez get saved. And so I'm wondering, do, can you remember even in the depths and when things were, were looking bleak, do you remember God ever breaking through and giving you giving you some revelation? Oh, yeah. A couple of times. Um, 
you know what? Honestly, uh, to be truth, to truth to be told is uh, I was afraid to go to hell, man. I really was. So my sin was to a limit. Like, I mean, I could, you know, uh, God woke me up a couple times, but not too much. I got in a horrible car accident up north in Pace in Arizona. And uh, quite honestly, probably should have should have died. Um, you know, I wrecked a truck on the side of a mountain and, uh, you know, this shit. I didn't even stay for the accident because I was drunk. So I took off running in the mountains. And so, uh, but long story short, you know, uh, it came out in the paper, but they said that uh, they're looking for the driver, but uh, that he should have, you know, they described that the driver should have uh, some some deep lacerations and some deep wounds because uh, of the accident, but I didn't have one scratch on me. And uh, I remember God whispering to me uh, at that time that uh, it's because of him. And I remember uh, there was the uh, there was another accident that I was involved in. Obviously, when you're drinking a lot, man, you're not you're you're driving ain't so well. Um, but there was another accident I got into, and and the same thing happened, man. And I just remember God speaking to me, and He says, "I spared you." That's all He said. He very quickly, "I spared you," and um, so that's why. You know, I don't want to fast forward too much, but coming to the point of where uh, James uh, Jr. dies, um, that's what really gripped me at him because at his funeral, even though I didn't get saved at his funeral, uh, God spoke to me and says, you should have been in the casket two times. And um, uh, I couldn't shake that. I couldn't shake that anymore. But uh, no, so... I guess along those lines, if there's any, let, let me give some encouragement to parents who maybe have some wayward children right now. Um, number one, uh, I know you'll never give up on them. Don't do that. Keep praying for them. Uh, but number two, uh, you know, the truth be told, whether they tell you or not, uh, deep down inside, they're always going to think about something. I didn't think a lot about God, but I thought a lot about judgment. I thought a lot about judgment. And any kid... From church who tells you they don't, the ball face line to you. Because I'm one of those kids. And I, I thought about judgment quite often. And especially when those situations happened. And so uh, I encourage every parent, you know, keep praying for your kids and don't give up. But what you've instilled in them, believe me, whether they tell you they're pondering, they're dwelling. And so as much as sin as they get involved, because I had to get worse before I got better. Um, uh, God getting a hold of them. That's often a sign of uh, stubborn people. <laughs> Things right. have to get worse before they get better. Right. Um, but stubbornness is not evil in itself because you can be you can be stubborn for Jesus, and that's a wonderful thing to be. Right. But right. it has to be pointed in the right direction. So. Right. Um, so between the time that you got in that car accident and the time that you. Um, went to that funeral for your old was it older brother i'm assuming as a, a younger brother james jr younger yeah, brother he was a younger one he was well, tell me about what led up to 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 that situation um well he 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 died in november uh 22nd of 2004 and uh like i said at that time god was already dealing with me i remember uh i my wife and I, uh, we get married in 1999, we hook up, we get married in 01. And so you figure from 01 to now, this is 03, you know, it's just a few years later, our, our marriage is 
acting pretty crazy already. And so um, we moved out to Maricopa once again, thinking that, you know, if you move out from your, from this place, you know, that's going to fix things, but you always got to take you with you. Well, you, you obviously, I mean, the reason that you were moving like that is because you understand that there's a problem, right? right? So you, you understood that uh, I need to change some things. Yeah. I'm thinking location's going to fix it. And, you know, and, you know, and let me, if there's anybody listening out there who thinks location's always going to fix your problems, it's not. Um, so uh, this is all coming to a head. And at this time, I remember before James died, God is dealing with me. Um, I'm driving, I'm living in a place called Maricopa. At that time, Maricopa, uh, it's just, it's just a small development. There's nothing out there. It's not what it is today. And, um, so I had to drive at least 45 minutes to work one way. And I just remember those times driving to work, uh, you know, uh, one time in particular, I, I could have swore I felt like God was sitting next to me and just the conviction of God and dealing with me about my sin and about my life. Um, this is where it was kind of all coming to a head, you know, and this is happening around September, October. And like I said, James passes away in November. And um, finally, uh, you know, New Year's Eve of all things, I'm, I'm partying, getting one last hurrah. You know, I'm still not thinking about getting saved, but God really struck me. Uh, New Year's Eve, I'm partying, having a keg at my house. I got people there drinking, doing what we do. And um, I remember going uh, to the restroom and uh, looking at myself in the mirror, man. And just once again, just God dealing with me and God and God and God asked me a question. He said, do you like the life you're living? And honestly, I didn't at this time. So check this out very quickly, man. I, I just, I remember right then and there, I said, God, I'm tired. And I remember putting down my red solo cup, man, uh, full of beer. And just said, I'm, I'm not doing this no more. And uh, I went to bed, didn't tell anybody. I just went to bed and I got up that next morning and, and I told God I meant what I said. And I want to give my life to you. And he came in and God set me free right then. And I know he said, I felt it. I felt it, man set me free okay so i think this is very unique I, i've done probably about a hundred inter interviews up until this point uh -huh. and I, I think you're the first one i'm pretty sure that your salvation experience had nothing to do with church that is incredible to me this is just god's conviction coming on you yeah. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't get saved uh, in church, um, going to church and the decision where I was going to go to church. I made up that, that decision after I got saved, but, um, but yeah, no, man, I, I, I was tired. I got right then and there. Um, and it's so, it's so amazing. So I'll tell you, you know, I just didn't get saved. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost at my house. Um, I remember that day, man, I was, I, I said, God, if I'm going to serve you, I want all of you. And I remember uh, going to my prayer closet, uh, which I didn't, you know, I'd call it a prayer closet, but I just went to my closet and I was just praying. And um, I said, God, I need, I need all of you. I need all of you to help me. I need all of you to break these things in my life. And um, God came down and filled me with the Holy Ghost right there in my closet, just began to speak in tongues. And, and um, yeah, so I didn't get saved in church, man. I didn't. Uh, and, and so that's why, you know, I'm so encouraged. Um, 
Uh, I know God moves outside the realm of church, which obviously we want people to come to church, but I know God can save people wherever and whenever he wants to at whatever location. And, and that's exactly what, what happened, you know, for me. To me, that's, that's really an uh, evidence of the investments that your mom and your stepdad had put into you and your experience in attending church services as a kid and, you know, train up a child in the way that he shall go. And when he's old, right, he will not depart right. from it. That's that's man, you you are living proof of that. Uh, I think before we, we move on and hear about your new convert experience, I think we should go back and uh, explain a little bit more fully what happened with your brother, because that is such a big piece of this puzzle that uh, people who are outside of this situation or haven't heard about it is so important, uh, not only to you, but also to Pastor Martinez. Could, could you go back and share a few more details about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, uh, James Jr. was, uh, you know, he was, uh, was a great young man, man. He was, uh, he's different. Uh, he was a jokester. He was a prankster. Um, uh, <clears throat> honestly, I haven't, you know, forgive me. I just I haven't thought about that in a while, but he, um, yeah, man, he had a lot of friends. Um, you know, everybody loved him. I think one of the reasons why he was such a loyal guy. Um, and so what happened was, is you know, he, he's in the lowrider scene. Um, he's into other things. And, you know, what people don't realize, you know, that his murder is still unsolved to this day. Um, you know, street talk is, is uh, his killer, you know, uh, got to go back to Mexico and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, as far as justice wise, it's still unsolved to this day. And unfortunately, like, uh, you know, church kids do, sometimes they get involved in the wrong stuff. And and honestly, uh, my brother, uh, you know, got involved with a few, few uh, a couple of people who um, weren't loyal to him the way he thought he was loyal to them. And so a lot of people may not know, but, you know, he got murdered, uh, what you would call a home invasion. Um, I believe it was on his girlfriend's birthday. And so... Um, you know, he had done some stuff that uh, only very few people knew about, and uh, he wasn't proud of it, but he was kind of set up and put in that position to do something. And when push came to shove, the people that supposedly were supposed to have his back didn't really have his back and actually, you know, turned around and used it against him. And so um, it was on the night of his girlfriend's birthday. He had gotten her a TV, I believe, and he was... Uh, taking the cardboard out that the TV had come in and he had her knock on the door and he had uh, opened the door and not fully realizing that the, the individuals that were there for him. And um, yeah, they just basically riddled his body with bullets, man. And, and so this was a hit him. job kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And the other three, and there was, you know, the irony of all of it, man, is that, you know, he had, he was living with uh, supposedly a good friend, which is very, very uh, questionable. And his girlfriend, and he was living with his girlfriend. So those two couples, them two couples living together, all those other three people had the opportunity to jump out the window. They all escaped except for him. And, um, you know, I will say this. I don't know exactly sure what, what really gripped me about that is the fact that, you know, that was one of the things, too, that hit me hard is the fact that, uh, I mean, I wonder if God was dealing with me so much to get saved before this time happened. Just for the simple fact of you never know 
maybe your witness can change someone else's life or hit them in a different way, you know? So, um, but, I, so this happens and, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's gone, but, uh, but what we do know and what we do, uh, what I've, what I've heard, um, and, and obviously I will see if it's true when, when we get to heaven, but I mean, I've heard he was crying out to God. I mean, it was, he was shot, I think nine or 10 times and he was gurgling on his own blood. But, uh, one of the, one of the people that were there, um, said they heard him, um, crying out to God, asking God to, to help him. And, and, um, I heard he was saying he was sorry. He was sorry. So, um, Hopefully, man, hopefully, you know, we're believing God, but I, I believe God's merciful and faithful. So, yeah. So, you know, obviously my parents uh, had to deal with that. Um, that that I, hits a whole family and a whole community. Well, I mean, uh, you know, my dad's a hard man in a good way, but he's a hard man. I've never seen my dad. He doesn't, you know, I mean, I don't even think he cried. He cried when he got his own cancer diagnosis or anything like that. He's not into crying, but... Um, yeah, I'd never seen him break down the way I saw him break down that day when he got the news. Um, yeah, it was, it was horrible. It was horrific, man. And, and uh, you know, it was actually, you know, it, this whole scenario involved my family, man. It, you know what I mean? He was, we didn't know if they were going to come after my family or not. And so my dad was not paranoid, but he was just cautious. And, and uh, yeah, because it, it was a lot more deeper stuff than people realize. But um but yeah, so that's that's where it is. So to this day, you know, um, it's it's not solved, but you know, the streets talk, and so, but it's just something that my dad is um, by examples just left to God and said God's going to take care of it at the end. So, can you talk about what you were feeling in the, uh, you know, having to having to go to a funeral for a younger brother? Like, like this is not something yeah, that anybody um, wants to obviously, do. Obviously, you know, we I was a pallbearer. Um, you know, I was a pallbearer. Um, the last time I remember, you know, this was, uh, like I said, 2003 or, uh, yeah, three, four, 2004 when this happens. And so, um, I think the last time James and I had hung out, uh, we were partying obviously at his cousin's house. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it really gripped me. I didn't get saved there. And I, honestly, I couldn't tell you why just, you know, it was Pastor after, Campbell who did the funeral, right? Yeah, right, right, yeah. It was, it was did the funeral, and uh, I didn't get saved then, but uh, probably too much pride because, you know, I mean, the place was packed. Like I said, James was loved by a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of family. But like I said, I mean, carrying that casket gripped me, man, because God had spoke to me. Like I said, God says, uh, this should have been you two times. And um, I knew it should have been. I knew it should have been. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it affected and messed with me, messed with me mentally. Um, that was in November, December. And then, like I said, a month and a half, I just gave my life to the Lord, but yeah, it messed with me in my mind, my spirit. Um, I was broken and, uh, you know, like I said, the judgment aspect of it, we didn't know all the details of everything until, you know, sometime a few months down the road. But I mean, I didn't know that he had cried out to God and, and asked God, you know, said he was sorry. Um, but I, all I kept, th kept thinking about, man, is I wonder if, you know, if he's, if, honestly, the, I was thinking in the beginning, like, I thought, I wonder if he's in hell, man. And I wonder if he's crying out, you know? And so that really got to me and shook me. 
but um yeah man so it changed the trajectory of me of my of my life and um that's what honestly from time to time i look back on it and says man it's this world anything the world will offer you is never worth it man it's never worth it, it comes at a high cost yeah well so i mean this is obviously something you wouldn't wish on anybody it's it's horrible when you have to experience death in any form but especially if it's a murder like that, like somebody has robbed you of the relationship of having this brother, but um, you know, it's not something that you would want to happen at any time, but from your own testimony, this, what you just said is that it changed the trajectory of your life. And you wonder if that tragedy had not happened, if you would have stayed in your sin, if right. you would have still been stubborn toward God, you know, <laughs> Pastor Dragoon, you you don't you don't you don't understand how many times I ponder that man. Um, how, how many times I thought about that, you know, and uh, just yeah, man, it just it's just just crazy you mentioned that, but yeah, I, I thought about that many 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 times. It, like I wonder, you know, I me mean? uh, for me personally, if you know if that's what it would take to shake me up and and to wake me up, so. Hmm. Well, so this is this is how God works, though, right? This, you know, God, God um, for him, it's not that God is the author of evil, but he allows things in certain times to happen for certain purposes. And maybe, you know, we, we can't say with certainty, but maybe the good that comes out of that in the long run is is greater than the evil. And, you know, we, we can we can hope and we can trust that in his final moments that that he cried out to God and that there will be a glorious reunion uh, one day when you enter into glory. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, the irony, right? Yeah. I believe, I believe God, man. And so yeah, when we heard those words and when we heard uh, that testimony, man, I was like really overjoyed. And, um, and I believe God is merciful, man. I mean, if the thief on the cross can cry out in his last second, no doubt somebody with, you know, some bullet holes and um, bleeding on the floor, crying out there's to me god's no respecter of person right so so maybe at this point would be a good time to uh address our listeners because you know most of the people that are listen to this are going to be pastors and disciples in our churches but um there are no doubt there's going to be somebody who listens to this who's not right with god and who maybe like you is on on a path that's leading the wrong direction and uh i guess what, what would you say to you uh, before all of this tragedy happened, what would you say to that person right now? Um, what I would say to that person is, is when God begins to deal with you, man, give in, submit yourself. Um, a lot of what I went through in life, I could have, uh, you know, obviously could have avoided a lot of pain. Um, sin likes to wound you to the point where, you know, salvation is great. But the process of God then healing you from those wounds can take a long time. And I believe a lot of those wounds can be avoided, especially, you know, for young men and women who are going to church. Listen, that's, man, my heart is for you. And I understand that the world sometimes seems appeasing. And But I want to tell you, there's a very heavy price to pay. My family's paid it. I've paid it. And uh, by all means, I, you know, I would plead with you, man, if God's dealing with you and speaking to you, submit yourself. There's nothing, um, I tell my wife, you know, there's nothing like serving God and I wish to God. And my wife would tell me, you know, cause my wife, you know, uh, we went to school together, uh, grade school, middle school, high school. 
And um, she would often, you know, poke at me and said, I wonder if you would have gotten saved as a teenager, if you could have, I could have avoided a lot of hurt in my life. And she's saying that just to, to poke at me playfully. But the truth is, is maybe, maybe so. You never know who I could have impacted at that time. And not that I'm living with regret, but you just see how the plan of God is so much more and it's so much more worth it. And but but the point that I want to emphasize, Pastor Dragoon, is to people, if they're listening and not saved, man, surrender your heart. Because, listen, uh, the wounds of the enemy, man, the wounds that he wants to inflict on you, he wants to damage you to the point where, you know, it, it, it almost seems like you're unfixable. But God's trying to prevent all that. That's why God's speaking to you and deal with you. So give your life to God and let God help you and heal you. And uh, so that way, you know, for from like I said, for my family, what I've seen is the wounds of sin, man, run deep. And, and it, sometimes it takes a long time for God to heal that. He will heal it, but it'll take a long, long, longer than what I think he wants to do. Yeah. And this is also this is also a great time to encourage the church kid, because, you know, sometimes we hear a testimony like yours and, uh, you know, somebody who hasn't been out on the street or, you know, who who got saved when they were 12 or 13 years old before they got into a lot of trouble is <laughs> like, yeah. man, what does my testimony? Uh, how, how am I supposed to compete with that? You know, but um, but I guess I, I want to encourage people. Because people like my wife, for example, and whenever she testifies, she always says something like that. She says that she watched a lot of people make the wrong decisions and go out and, you know, get pregnant and, and party and, you know, and do a lot of things that and, and she was able to avoid that because, you know, she she stayed faithful even when even when things were, you know, tough on her, too. But she she kept coming to church. She kept staying in the right place. And thank God that she and, and, and I, we both got saved at 16 years old. And, you know, I'm really grateful for that because who knows what kind of trouble I could have got in, you know, I, I'm, right. you know, and just because I, I come from a different neighborhood doesn't mean I, I couldn't get in trouble too. Uh, couldn't. And we hear the stories, the sin will always take you farther than you want to go and make you pay a price higher than you want to pay. And, and so me- that, let me let me if you don't i'm sorry to interrupt you but i want to put a plug in for the church kid that is serving god and you know you think well like your wife man i mean i don't want to say this like i envy her but i had an opportunity to to grow up the same way and i choose to neglect that and i want to tell you um what my family life and i don't know family's perfect but what your family's gone through i can imagine just totally night and day, right? I mean, because you guys are starting from a, a place um, that, you know, yeah, you guys are sinners. Everyone's sinners. But the wounds and everything that has been there in a lot of people's lives are not in your lives. And so the health and, and, and everything else of, of your family and everything that is so much, so much greater than what someone has to do starting, which, I, listen, starting from the bottom, that's great. But once again, just going back to the wound and, and, and if you're saved, if you're a young man, young woman listening to this and you're saved, or maybe you're, you know, what we call teenagers, um, stay serving God. Don't, don't, don't let the world and thank God for, uh, women like your wife, uh, young, young men and women like your wife who stayed serving God despite it, because I believe that's a testimony in itself to say, Hey, I stayed serving God. That, that to me is more commendable than the person who gives in to go off and backslide. To me, the person staying, I want to tell you that that to me is that that's phenomenal. 
Amen. Well, we want to go back to the uh, the story of what happened after you got saved. Oh, God has done incredible miracles to uh, to get you where you were, but uh, God's not finished yet. There's a lot of lot of road ahead of you. Um, but before we get there, um, we're we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll come back after to to hear about how God uh, cha- began changing you as a new convert. Uh, you you had to make a choice what church you're gonna go to. And so I want to hear what went into that. I want to hear about your discipleship journey. I want to hear how you got called into the ministry and uh, how you would uh, make a decision to take your family overseas. I want to hear about all that. But uh, we're going to we're going to save that for our premium block. If you want to hear the rest, go ahead and hit the links in the show description below and uh, you'll be uh, listening to that in short order. So uh, if you are a premium listener, we'll be back in a moment. And if you are still on the free feed, we thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this and we'll see you on the next one. 